Thank you, Jesus. One of the promises that I made with God at the beginning of my ministry was that I was not going to pastor somebody and that they remain the same for one year. Amen? Because then we might as well sell our Bibles, trade them in for a RAV4 or something, or, or a Toyota Sprinter. Amen? Listen, this book will change your life. How do I know that? It has changed my life. Happy Resurrection Sunday, everybody. Amen. Why don't you turn your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Glory to God. The reason I say welcome to Resurrection Sunday is I am trying by all means to avoid the word Easter. And uh, if you're taking down notes, I want you to write these words down. We're going to deal with them before we go. We're going to try and teach from this position. If you can write down Easter, and right next to it, you can write Easter eggs. Amen. And after you write Easter eggs, you can also write bunny. Hallelujah. And after that, you should also write Passover. <laughs> and after that, write Good Friday, comma, Easter Sunday, comma, three days and three nights, and then put a question mark. We're going to try and figure out how to fit in three days and three nights between Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning, if it's possible. Amen? And then we're going to stick to Scripture and try to move away as far as we can from religion and tradition. Amen? I said amen. The Bible says the traditions of men make the gospel of none effect. And the subtitle of my message today is, If Christ didn't rise, then what? If Christ did not rise, then what? Amen? <laughs> Glory to God. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to First Corinthians chapter number 15. I'm going to read from verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 verse 12. And this is what it says. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of, of you or among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? In other words, there were those among the church folk that were saying Christ did not rise from the dead. And there were some amongst the church folk that were saying there is no such thing as the resurrection of the dead. And Paul is addressing that issue. Amen? Because there is a resurrection of the dead. And Christ indeed rose from the dead. Amen? And he defeated death. 
Verse number 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also in vain. Notice the net effect of Christ not having been risen. It means we are playing church. Amen? It means your faith is futile. It's in vain. It means everything else that you do does not count. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. This is why this is pivotal. To what you and me leave. Someone shout Jesus rose from the dead as a fact. Amen? We have to stand on that truth because if they take away that truth from us, it takes away everything else that we've ever had. It will take away your healing. It will take away your prosperity. It will even take away your decrees uh, and your creeds. Amen? Amen? Glory be to God. Verse 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. If Christ did not raise from the dead, all of us become false witnesses. Because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. In fact, let me change the version that I'm reading. I want to read from something that you can understand. The NIV, the nearly infallible Bible. This is what it says. If there is no resurrection, verse 13, of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him if in fact the dead are not raised. So He's saying if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, then Christ was not raised to you. But if you believe that Christ was raised then it follows suit that you are going to believe in the resurrection of the dead. Amen? For if the dead, verse 16, are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep or dead cry those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost or dead in Christ. They are lost. It's over. Then that means that's it. We just die like animals and that's it. If we don't believe in the resurrection or if we let anybody take away the fact that Jesus Christ was indeed raised from the dead. Verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Say amen to that. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, and you know who that man was? Adam. The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as Adam in all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Just like we were singing, I'm alive because he is alive. Amen. But each in turn, Christ, then 
first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So we are all going to be resurrected, not raised from the dead. There is a difference. The raising of the dead as a gift of the Holy Spirit is totally different from the resurrection of the dead. When the dead are resurrected, they receive what is called an immortal body. The Bible says we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And we will not die ever again. But when you are raised from the dead, you still have to die. Amen? Amen. Case, uh, case in point, uh, who was it in John chapter number 11? Lazarus. He was raised from the dead, but he still had to die. Amen? Amen. I mean, if that dude hadn't died, you'd be the greatest uh, 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 wonder in the world today. I mean, people would travel from far just to see a man who has never died. I mean, he would tell you about Hitler, he would tell you about Mussolini, he would tell you about Nebuchadnezzar, and all of those people, because you would have lived 2,000 years ago. But the man had to die. Why? Because he was not resurrected, he was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. But Jesus was resurrected. Amen. What verse am I in? Verse 24. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now the last enemy, sorry, now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him, who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead if the dead are not raised at all why are people baptized for them and as and as for us why do we endanger ourselves every hour verse 31 i face death every day yes just as surely as i boast about you in christ our lord if i fought wild beasts in ephesus with no one than human hopes what have I gained if the dead are not raised? What is Paul saying? He's saying everything that I do is predicated on the fact that Jesus Christ was indeed resurrected from the dead. Amen? And that should be your and my position as well. And he's saying if Christ is not raised from the dead, let us drink, let us eat, for tomorrow we die. And then he corrects that. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Again, the title of my message is, If Christ did not resurrect or if Christ was not raised from the dead, then what? I'll tell you what then. We have a religion. Jesus Christ did not come to give the church a religion. Why? Because religion kills. Amen? Christianity is not another religion. 
Christianity is a relationship. Tell your neighbor this will tweet. <laughs> Amen. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. Jesus Christ himself said, I am come that you might have life. Not a religion. He said, I came that you might have life and have it all. More abundantly. The reason why Jesus Christ came was to give you and me life. Amen. I said amen. Now Easter. Back to Easter. How many of you know that Easter has nothing to do with Jesus? Easter, the word Easter has nothing to do with the church. It's got nothing to do with uh, God. It's got nothing to do with anything. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many of you know that there were no Easter eggs or bunnies when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? It's got nothing to do with anything. Pastor, what? There was a gentleman in uh, AD 300 by the name of Constantine or Constantine, and he was a Roman governor. And uh, what Constantine did was uh, he, he came into the fold to rule a, a Roman Empire, particularly Jerusalem, at the time when Christians were being persecuted. Okay? And they were killing them left, right, and center. And it says, this is where they'll take all the Christ, uh, Christians to the Maximus Circus. You remember the stadium? And they'll throw them in and they'll unleash lions and all kinds of wild beasts so that they could be eaten. They'll stone Christians, behead them. I mean, they were just uh, uh, persecuting the church left, right, and center. And guess what? As they did that, the church grew even more strong in numbers and in strength and in quality of what the word was being preached out there. And Constantine realized, listen, we are fighting a losing battle here. So what he did is he said, if you can't beat them, join them. He himself decided he was going to become Christian. And then he declared the national religion, quote-unquote, at the time, Christianity. He said, listen guys, we're all going Christian. And then the generals and all the idol worshippers came to him and they said, Hey, bro, if we go Christian, what are we going to do with all these things that we've been practicing for all these years? What are we going to do with our gods and goddesses? And he said, bring them over. And they came with all their gods and goddesses. I want to announce to you today that the word Easter is actually the name of a Greek goddess who was known as the god of fertility. Amen. I said amen. <laughs> Man, you're going to learn some stuff today. The Bible says it's the little fox that spoiled the vine. It's these little things that they just, you know, kind of sneak in. That kind of spoil how you operate in faith. And you need to know these things. Listen, we cannot perpetuate a lie. You know why? Because someone is going to approach you one of these days, someone who's not a Christian, will approach you and they say, man, the reason I'm not a Christian is because you guys uh, worship all kinds of gods. And you say no. And they'll say, well, I just saw it on your church poster that you put Easter 
And I know who Easter is. This is why I said, welcome to Resurrection Sunday and not Easter Sunday. Amen. Amen. I said amen. And the reason why they incorporated the, the bunny and the, the, the eggs was because this God was known as the God of fertility. And the rabbit uh, was known amongst uh, uh, other animals as one of the most productive uh, animals at the time. Because he would produce sometimes 15 at a time. Uh, and what are they known as? Little rabbits? Kits? Kittens? <laughs> amen. You would produce sometimes 15, and the, that's the symbol they used to represent that goddess. That's how all of this came into the fold. That's how Father Christmas, you all know that Father Christmas is not real, right? You all know that. That's how Father Christmas came into the fold. Actually, Father Christmas is a character that came into the fold uh, just uh, a couple of hundred years ago. When Coca-Cola was invented, they took uh, another character who was known as St. Nicholas, okay, Santa Claus from Barra, and they turned him into Father Christmas because they wanted his outfit to change. St. Nicholas was known to be uh, 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 in, in a green outfit, but they, wanted, they could not make a green Coca-Cola or change their logo to suit that, so they created a new character called Father Christmas from Santa Claus, and they made him wear red that's the deal that's why if you go to italy barra you can never buy a coca-cola they won't sell coke to you because they are still offended by what coca-cola did a hundred years ago amen back to easter you will not find the word easter in the bible what let's go to Acts chapter number 12 verse 4 it's the only place where you will find the word Easter in a wrong translation. Thank you, Jesus. Is it okay if we can just teach on this? I, I know you want the blessings. You're blessed. You're blessed. We can do that next week. Amen. But but you need you need to know this. The verse four. Acts chapter number twelve, verse four. Listen what it says. And because he saw it, it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. I'm reading from verse 3. Then were the days of the unleavened bread. What do we know about unleavened bread? They used to have unleavened bread during Pasha, better known as Passover. All right? And when he had apprehended him, apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quarters of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people wrong if you look in the original manuscripts that word Easter is in the Greek Pasha and if you read in any other version except the original King James Bible it says Passover amen I don't know what versions you're reading but it should say Passover it's Passover right it's not Easter. It's Passover. Amen? I said amen. Because it's the Greek word Pasha. I know there are some of you that think, like I used to think, the King James Bible is the Bible that God himself reads. Well, let me tell you, it's just a translation. Amen? And they made some mistakes when they were translating that particular scripture. How do we know that? Because we went to the original 
Greek text. The word Easter comes from a pagan figure called Estere, who was celebrated as the goddess of spring by the Saxons of Northern Europe. A festival called Easter was held during the spring equinox by these people to honor her. Of interest is the word's relation to East. The goddess Estere, earthly symbol was a rabbit, which was known as a symbol of fertility, since rabbits and hares give birth to large litters. Oh, I thought it was kittens. <laughs> litters in the early spring, it's understandable that the rabbit is the symbol of fertility. Amen. And why chocolate during Easter? Well, I believe personally, this you won't find in scripture. I believe that the chocolate companies approached whoever runs the world and said, listen, everybody else is making their money during Christmas. We would also like an opportunity to make a money, to make money off of these religious holidays. Do you have anything left or spare that we can use to make money off of? And they said, well, give them Easter. And that's why they sell a whole lot of chocolates during Easter. Amen. I love chocolates. I love uh, uh, Easter eggs and I eat them not because it's Easter, just because I like chocolate. It's got nothing to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Nothing to do with it. So what does this death, burial, and resurrection have to do with anything? Why did it have to happen? Go with me to John chapter number 3 verse 16. Listen, we're going to build our case line upon line, precept upon precept. John chapter number 3 verse 16. I want you to tend to it. I know you know it by heart, but I want you to read it. Look at it and read it. And let it minister to you. John chapter number 3 verse 16. And this is what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want to submit to you this morning that eternal life is not a quantity of days. Eternal life is not living forever. Everybody will live forever. Because spirits cannot die. Everybody will live forever just at different locations. Eternal life has to do with Quality, not quantity of life. What is eternal life? Go with me to John chapter number 17, and I'm going to read from verse 3. Amen. I mean, we, we, we have to read all these scriptures. So that you can walk out of here and say, the Bible said... Not Pastor T said. Not faith your doctrine says. The Bible. Amen. And it's in red. Why? Because it's Jesus speaking. Verse 3. John 17 verse 3. He tells you what eternal life is. And this is 
life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God through Jesus Christ. And I want to submit to you that the primary reason why Jesus Christ came to die for you was not to take away or wash away your sins. It just so happened that sin was the barrier between you and God, but that's not the reason why Jesus came. The reason why Jesus came was to reconcile you to the Father. The reason why Jesus Christ came was to create that bridge between you and God. So that you could be reconciled to God again. And it so happened that for him to do that, he had to take care of sin. Amen? The reason Jesus Christ came was so that he could reconnect you to the source of life. Why? Because death is not when you fall down. How many of you know that? That's not death. The Bible says when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God told them. What did he say to them? He said, if you eat of this uh, tree, you will surely. He didn't say you might. He says you will surely die. You and I know that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, they didn't die. In fact, they went on a game of uh, hide and seek with God. The Bible said they started hiding from the Lord. And he came looking for them. Why? Because they didn't die physically does not mean that they did not die. Because to God, death is not when you fall down. No. Death is when you are disconnected to Him. When you do not have a relationship with God, you are D-E-A-D, dead. Dead men walking. Anybody who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior is dead. And they need to be quickened to life by and through the one and only true Son of God, who is Jesus, the Christ. I know many of you have heard of uh, 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 this. Many people say there are many ways to God. And you can choose whichever one you want. No, that's not true. Because that would make Jesus Christ a fraud, if we accept that. Because he didn't say that. Jesus Christ was very clear concerning going to God. He says, I'm the only way, the truth, and the life. In case you missed it, he went on to explain. No one can go to the Father except through me. That does not mean people won't try. Yes, they will try to go through Buddha. They will try to go Muhammad, through Muhammad. They will try to go through many other gods. But guess what? They cannot get to the Father the only way you can go to the Father is through Jesus the Christ. Amen? So I want to submit to you this morning that the reason why Jesus Christ came was to restore a broken relationship. So that you and I can know the one and only true God and to know that He, Jesus Christ, was sent by God the Father. That's the only thing. That's what you receive. That's eternal life. Man, that's awesome. We were destined for destruction. We were living our lives without God. Aliens to the commonwealth of God, of His covenant. 
And God sent Christ so that he could die for us, so that you and me could be restored to a relationship, to the source of life. That's what eternal life is all about. To know God. And that word know, if you look it up in the Old Testament, they would use it this way. Then Abraham or Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived. He's talking about an intimate knowledge where you and God almost become one. Isn't that what he says? Me in you and you in me. Abide in me as I abide in you. What are you doing? You are connecting to the source of life and everything about you will come alive. The results of connecting to the source of life means that you can now no longer get sick. You walk in divine health. Even if you get sick temporarily, you will still eventually come out and walk in divine health. Why? Because I can't help it. I'm connected to the source of life. And the effect of being disconnected to the source of life is that you might pretend for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, but when you drop down dead, you are disconnected. Listen, the greatest pain of being in hell is not the fire. Did you know that? <laughs> the fire will be child's play. <laughs> the greatest pain will come from knowing that you are separated from the source of life. Separated from God. Watch this. Forever. Man, you and I have an opportunity to make it right with God now, today. Today is the day of salvation. Receive Jesus Christ and believe that God indeed raised him from the dead. And that Jesus Christ lives. Someone shout Jesus. Jesus. My Jesus. Jesus. He lives. He's not dead. (laughs) Say this. Muhammad is dead. (laughs) Christo is dead. Who was that guy? Krishna. Krishna. Krishna is dead. Krishna is dead. Buddha is dead. Who else is dead? But Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. Allah is dead. Because you can't get to the real God without going through Jesus Christ. And when you go through Jesus Christ, not only are you connected to the source of life, the Bible says He he gives you the spirit wherewith you can now call Him Daddy. You move from just calling Him God to having a relationship of Father and Son and you can approach Him as your Father. Oh man, that's awesome. To know that God is not just God, a deity somewhere. No, he's my daddy. He is my father. Amen. I said amen. Romans chapter number 8, verse 29. Glory to God. Notice the Bible said in John chapter number 3 verse 16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that only the Jews receive him that only the rich receive him that only the male receive him that only the Africans receive him no he says that who? Whosoever. 
Amen. Anybody. Right? And they are those that teach of predestination. In other words, God has already fixed and handpicked who is going to be saved. And that contradicts this scripture. He just said whosoever. Anybody can receive Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. Amen. In fact, there was a gentleman called John Calvin. He started this predestination thing. And uh, uh, it's usually called Calvinism. All right. And what he taught was that God has already predetermined who is going to receive him. And it doesn't matter what you do. God has already predetermined. But how many of you know that predestination is not predetermination? God never predestined anybody. He never predetermined anybody. He predestined them from a position of foreknowledge. One of the characteristics of being God, you can't help it, is to know everything. How many of you know that God knows what is, you're going to eat tomorrow for breakfast? How many of you know that God knows what you're going to be doing 10 years from now? Why? Because He's God. So God, from a position of foreknowledge, from a position of knowing who was going to receive Him in advance, He then predestined those who were going to choose Him. Why? Because God knew it already. He didn't fix the game. No, He knew it because He was God. Go with me. Romans 8, verse 29. Ha, this is good. Romans 8, verse 29. This is what it says. For whom he did what? For no. I didn't hear that. For whom he did for no. He also did what? Predestinate. God only predestines people from a position of foreknowledge. Amen? He does not predetermine their destination. He predestines them because God is God and God knows everything. He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn amongst many, 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 many brethren. God has given you and I free will to choose Him. And whatever we choose, God will let us have it. Amen? I said amen. amen. When I woke up this morning, I went into my uh, walk-in uh, closet and I chose this jacket. And guess what? God, the angels, the seraphims, and the cherubims let me out of the house wearing this jacket. I didn't hear a voice from heaven. I chose it. And God let me have it. What does that mean? That means if you choose poverty today, God will let you have it. If you choose sickness today, God will let you have it. If you choose prosperity, God will let you have it. How many of you know that if you choose hell, God will protect your choice all the way to hell? Amen? That's how important free will is. God did not predetermine. He gave each and every last one of us the gift of free will. And whatever you choose, He will let you have it. He said, I've, let, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. 
You choose life so that you and your seed may live. Whatever you choose, God will let you have it. Though He knows your choices. Because God knows everything. Hallelujah. Here are the secondary benefits of Jesus Christ dying for us on the cross. Go with me to John chapter number 1 verse 29. If you're taking down notes, secondarily, what do we get from resurrection? Number 1, expiation. Expiation. What is expiation? Expiation is the removal of sin. Amen? This is secondary. Jesus took care of this because it was in the way. Not because that's what he came for. He came to restore a broken relationship. So that you could be connected to the source of life again. Now this puts things in perspective. So that you know. The reason why Christ came is so that you can have a relationship with the Father. And because you know that, you will take advantage and start having, above a relationship with the Father, a fellowship with Him. The reason why people don't fellowship with the Father is because they think the primary reason Jesus came was to take away the sin so that they could go to heaven. How many of you know that if there was no heaven and hell, Jesus would have still come? Because the reason he came was not because there is a, a place that burns with fire all of the days. The reason he came was because God wanted to be reconnected to his children. That's why you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And for many, 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 many years, the evangelists have taught that the reason why Jesus came was so that we could avoid going to hell. Well, let me tell you, even if there was no hell, even if there was no fire and brimstone, Jesus would have still come. Why? Because God wanted to reconnect with His children. God wanted to hang out with you. God wanted you to call Him Daddy. And if you are not connecting with God at that level, I'm talking about fellowship, you are missing out on the primary reason why Jesus Christ came. Relationship. God came so that you could have a relationship with Him again. So that you could call Him Daddy. So that you could hang out with Him and not run away from Him. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? Instead of running to God, they ran from God. And that hurts God. Remember the story of the prodigal son? God is like the Father, waiting on you to come back home. So that He can hug you. And not only that... Kill a fattened cow. What is he talking about? Prosper you. And then some fellow Christians will look at you and say, you don't deserve it. It's called favor. God has restored you to a relationship whereof you can receive favor from him. That's what we were talking about last week. The unmerited favor of God. The grace of God. And the enemies to the grace of God are law and judgment. We're going to get into that more next week. Law and judgment, man, they will make you run away from God because you will feel condemned. But that's not the God we're teaching on today. This God we're teaching on today is a good God. How many of you know that God is a good God? How many of you know that God is a good Father? 
God wants to heal you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants you to prosper more than you want to prosper. Hallelujah. And that's the reason why Jesus came. So that you could be reconnected to the source of life. Secondarily, Jesus came so that you could take care of sin. But primarily, he came for a relationship. What does he say in verse 29? The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and he says, Behold, the lamp of God, which does what? Which taketh away the sins of the world. Someone shout, my sins have been taken away. Past sins, present sins, and future sins. How many of you know that sin is no longer an issue? <coughs> well, but I just sinned. That's the reason why Jesus came. For how many have sinned? I didn't hear that. <laughs> All have sinned. And have fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned. <laughs> There's just a few folk that, you know, make up the rules to try and uh, uh, make themselves look better. Have you noticed that religious people who like to make up rules, only like to make up rules around the things that they don't even enjoy doing? Well, I don't enjoy uh, going to swim at the beach. Well, it's sin. It is forbidden for Christians to go and sin at the beach, uh, both male and female. It is called mixed bathing. And then they put it down in the church doctrine. They don't even like wearing, uh, uh, they don't like wearing golf t-shirts. Is that what you call them? And they say, well, men aren't supposed to wear, wear any short-sleeved shirts. So that they can look good on themselves. To themselves. But what did Jesus say about our own righteousness? He says it says filthy rags in the eyes of God. Amen? The only righteousness that passes the test is the righteousness of Jesus. And unfortunately or fortunately, the only pass mark that is acceptable in heaven is 100%. How many of you know that when you're dealing with the law, it's 100% or nothing? Listen, you could keep everything else. If you falter on one, you're going to be penalized for that. Just like in your, in your, in your traffic laws. See, if you're caught doing 70 where you're supposed to do 60, you can't say to the traffic cop, ah, but you know, I was indicating and I was doing, I was abiding with all of the other traffic. You say, no, it doesn't matter what you are abiding in. You broke this one and you have to pay for this one. It's the same with heaven. The only pass mark is 100%. And Jesus took 100% for you so that you could receive it for free. Better known as grace. Hallelujah. Expiation. Number two, propitiation. First John chapter number four, verse 10. Thank you, Jesus. That my sins are no longer an issue. Hallelujah. First John chapter number four, verse 10. This is what it says. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us first. And send his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What does propitiation mean? It means to appease God's wrath for sin. Amen. Jesus Christ appeased 
God's wrath and turned it into love and favor. And the dispensation that you and I live in is called the dispensation of love and favor consummated in the word grace. It's the dispensation of grace. God is not judging you in this dispensation. Why? Because He's placed your judgment on Jesus. He will come back to judge the living and the dead, but as it is, God relates with us based on the new covenant, based on a covenant that says, I'm your father and you are my child. Watch this, regardless of what you do or don't do. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. A lot of people, when they see bad things happen in their lives, they look to God and say, God is judging me. No, God is not. In this dispensation, Jesus made it clear. And I use this as the barometer to measure everything that happens in my life. John 10, verse 10. The enemy, the thief, comes to do what? To steal, to do what? To kill, and to do what? And to destroy. I came that you might have what? Life and have it how? More abundantly. When something bad happens in my life, I go to the ledger and look if it goes to the steal, kill, and destroy, or life and life in abundance. And if it fits in the steal, kill, and destroy, I know that it's not coming from God. It's coming from the devil. And guess what? If it's coming from the devil, I have been given the authority to fight and I go to war. The reason why most Christians are not fighting is because, you know, they're not sure. See, if you're not sure whether this is coming from God or the devil, you're not going to swing hard. Because you might just hit God the Father. Amen? But if you know it's coming from the devil and you're 100% sickness comes from the devil, you do whatever it takes. You will fast, you will pray, you will do confessions, you will do everything it takes to get back your divine health. But if you are on the fence thinking, oh, well, this sickness might be from God. So if I fight, I might just be fighting God. You're not going to fight hard. You just roll over and play dead. Amen? Propitiation. To appease God's wrath. God is not angry with you. Listen to what it says in the Amplified. Same verse. In this is love. Not that we loved God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Number three, reconciliation. Someone shout reconciliation. Romans chapter number five, verse 10. Oh man, I have to rush. Five more minutes. Romans chapter number 10, chapter number five. I'm going to read from verse 10. Please give it to me in the Amplifier, in the NIV. Romans 10, Romans 5, verse 10 and 11. This is what it says in the NIV. For if, when we were God's enemies, how many of you know that we were once God's enemies? Because of sin. We were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Verse 11. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received what? Listen, you are now reconciled with the Father. There is no longer beef between you and God. There used to be, but not anymore. We have been reconciled with the Father. 
Second Corinthians chapter number five, verse seventeen. Someone shout, "I'm reconciled with my Father." Yeah, love it. Second Corinthians chapter number five. I'm going to read from verse seventeen to eighteen. Please give it to me in the Amplified. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. 17 to 18. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh. Someone say fresh. <laughs> Love it. And new has come. Verse 18. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself. Received unto us into what? I didn't hear that. God reconciled us and received us into favor. Child of God, you are favored of God. He received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. The reason why people don't reach out and preach the gospel is they don't realize what this means to them. Listen, if you realize that this means God reconciled himself to you and brought you to a place of favor, you're going to look at others and say, come on in. This is a better place to be at. Amen. I said, amen. Redemption number four. Christ redeemed us. Galatians chapter number 3 verse 13. Galatians chapter number 3 verse 13. Listen what it says. You don't have to go there. Christ purchased our freedom. Redeeming us from the curse. The doom of the law. And, it is condemna and its condemnation. By himself becoming a curse for us. For it is written... In the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or is crucified. Next verse. To the end that through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles so that we through faith might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Amen. He brought us back from the curse. There is no place for generational curses anymore. There is room for generational blessings. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Hallelujah. Someone shout, I am redeemed from the curse. I am blessed. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says Jesus Christ redeemed us from poverty. Someone say, I am redeemed from poverty. I am redeemed from lack. Isaiah 53 from verse 1 to 5 says he has redeemed us from sickness so that we can live and walk in divine health. And I have to live and walk because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, if you are here and you have not met Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, and you're saying, hey, Pastor, I want to become a member of the family. I want to be a part of the family. I want to be one of those that call God Father. If you're that person, I want to pray with you right now. It is vitally important that you're reconnected to the source of life. To the eternal life of God. If you're that person, I want to invite you to lift your hand wherever you are and we're going to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Going once, going twice, and sold. Well, if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I'm sick in my body and I'm tired of being sick. I want to walk in divine health. Jesus Christ paid for it. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our, of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. If you live a life of anxiety, I want to pray with you. If you do not have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, I want to pray with you. If you live your life in a permanent state of anxiety, you keep questioning what tomorrow is going to be, I want to pray with you. Just lift your hand wherever you are. And we're going to pray with you. I see that hand. God bless you, my sister. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Why don't you come to the front, my sister? We're going to pray with you and pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It was Corinthians 5.7 For we walk by faith and not by
my God. Yeah.